Kaylee here with another episode of Kingdom Family Talks. We've had such a fun month interviewing our hidden heroes who are in the family movement. And today we have a very special guest, one of my favorite humans. We've traversed the seven seas together. Also, she is the Vice President of Global Mission Awareness, wife to Leif Hetland, baker extraordinaire, and author, which we'll be talking about today. I'm here with Jennifer Hetland. How are you, Jennifer? I am so good. So good. <laughs> Actually, there's none good but God, but I'm doing great today. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you on this episode. We've had you before, but I didn't get to interview you, so lucky me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my actual dream coming true. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. <laughs> um, I just really love you. I want to take a second and share about some of my favorite things about you. Um, we have traveled to Cuba and the Philippines mm. together. We've led amazing teams, and I've had the privilege of seeing you as you are. Mm. Not with all of these amazing titles, your gifts, but you as an expression of Jesus and, mm. and how impactful that has been in my own life. Um, I remember, gosh, it was in Cuba. The team was downstairs in the church and you were upstairs with the ladies uh, taking mm. apart the napkins. <laughs> and I walked in to grab my bag and I was like, Mommy Yin, that's what we call you, Mommy right, Yin. Right. <laughs> um, what in the world are you doing? And you looked at me and you were like do you understand what we're doing right here? And I'm mm. like, you know, obviously I'm like, okay, there's a deeper meaning in this. So. You're separating two plain napkins <laughs> from each other. Okay. So I'm just going to take a second and let you explain to me what you're doing. Right. And uh, you just went on to explain that the time that it took for you to pull apart napkins so that they would have more napkins because they didn't have that resource readily available in their country. Mm -hmm. I was just blown away. Um, by one, you serving in that way, but also your ability to see that mm. and to understand the importance of that and what a gift it is. Like a simple napkin was yeah. a gift to that culture, and, and it was an honor thing for them to be able to give us napkins. Yeah, it uh, really was. And one of the things I, I try to remember and try to um, really protect is even their integrity and their... Um, I would never want them to feel mm. humiliated that I realized what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So for me to be able to sit down with them and help separate just made it who we all are. You know, we're part of a family. And um, speaking of which, we need to remember to take a bunch of napkins with us this year. Yes. So, um, yeah. Noted. Part, yes, note, note, <laughs> note to self, note to ourselves. And, um, but I've also appreciated you. So this is going to turn into we can appreciate each other, you know, routine. So, um, you just take on things with grace and dignity and that's really cool. It's fun to watch. It is the best to do life. It's fun. I always love your stories because you'll go into a grocery store and everyone knows you in the produce section, but you have this story of throwing fruit at one of the workers because that's just what y'all do. You throw yeah, stuff at each other because yeah, you're friends. There's a little boy at Publix and I don't even know why we started doing that, but at some point, um, I think I threw a grape at him and, uh, he just looked at me so surprised and I thought, well, I didn't throw a cantaloupe at you, you know? <laughs> so it's turned into when we see each other, he, I know something's going to come sailing through the air. And one time one of his managers was watching and I was like, just so you know, this is on the customer. It's not on your employee. <laughs> And um, he looked at me really strangely. But, um, you know, yeah, just making it fun, making it fun. I got to 
going to Publix yesterday with my son. And no, it wasn't yesterday. It was on Monday. And um, one of the ladies, you know, that we first encountered, I just said, hey, girl, how's it going? And she gave me a big hug. And she looked at my big old boy. And she's like, oh, my gosh, your mom. And she said, can I give you a hug? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I think even, you know, my kids sometimes are like, you, how did you find out how many children they have? No. But I, I think I inherited that from my mama, too. She was always one to see people clearly um, where they are, what they're doing, and and to try to add value. We, we talk about it in ministry so often, how, you know, how Jesus, I might end up just bawling today. It's been one of those weeks. But um, Jesus saw so clearly where people were, mm. like exactly where they were and in whatever situation they were in. And um, that's a piece of his heart that I've always just really wanted to capture. So if there's a, a woman cleaning a restroom, I tell them, thank you so much. You know, how much I appreciate sitting in a clean potty. Mm-hmm. And um, anyone who's ever cleaned a potty, you know, you know how cool it is to have a clean one. But um, to see the invisibles and to be uh, part of just loving on them and being loved on by them. It, it, it's not a... So often I, I find myself in my head, maybe a little too much, but just that aspect of who God is and who he is to us and who we want to present to the world and that peace. But it almost sounds arrogant to say that I've given them value when they so much have given me value. So, um, yeah, it's been really cool. It is really cool to watch it. We experience it every time you're in the office, but, uh, you experience other things when I'm in the office too. (laughs) Sometimes mom walks in and everybody's like, Oh, mama's here and she ain't happy. Mama bear, but friend. um, you know, and they've they've graciously loved me through those days as well. So it has been an amazing adventure. You came in once and you told the story from Belgium where you explained like the pitter patter of uh, was it the old man's uh, cane or mm. or the woman's walker? Either way, on the. On the cobblestone and how that was one of your takeaways on the trip. And I'm like, mm. wow, that takes amazing intentionality to notice that and how precious that moment is. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes I think my attention to detail is a little skewed or maybe OCD-ish. But um, <laughs> speaking of which, OCD should be CDO. since it's in alphabetical order. And um, I am not at all making light of a disorder but there's something in that that I believe God is God of order. Mm-hmm. And um, he's so intentional, you know, and what he spoke became and what we see is beautiful. And um, so that attention to detail, I think all of us carry gifts and giftings and, and it's a piece of, you know, if it's my being part of a toe in the body of Christ, it's, it's cool because we can't walk without our toes. So <laughs> It's true. <laughs> So true. doesn't bother me to be a toe. <laughs> I think you have this amazing ability to transition. Like life has been a massive transition for you. So you've raised four amazing children, the youngest getting ready to fly your yeah. own way. Yeah. Um, you, are, you work at a bakery now. That's been cool. So it's like two major transitions in your life. What, how do you handle your transi- transition with grace? And what are some of your like favorite moments in both of those? Like you transitioning in your motherhood, mm-hmm. what that looks like, and then even in your role in a bakery. Well, as um, you know, I haven't had babies 
for a long, long time. My youngest is 22. My oldest is 29. Uh, my mothering days, they're, they're never going to go away. I think, you know, once you become a mom, you will always be that. You know, even with my mama, we'll have conversations and I immediately become her daughter again, like little girl daughter. And, um, but we are friends and we, we actually were kind of always friends because I was the only girl. But, um, I found myself last summer, um, just looking at my daily activities and I have not generally ever been a sedentary person as far as just sitting on my hands and not doing much. You know, my big thing is to beat Leif out in my steps on my Fitbit. So um, (laughs) I generally manage to do that. But uh, I found myself saying, what is next? What is that little piece of me um, as my house empties? Um, And I had always dreamt of opening a bakery. I remember even before I got married, talking to Leif's younger brother, who was a baker at the time in Norway. And saying, why don't you fly over and we'll open a bakery together? I didn't have a clue how to run a bakery, but I loved baking. And I have been baking since I was a little girl. I got a picture in my kitchen helping my mom make pumpkin pie when I was three. And I know that I've been baking cookies by myself since I was 11. But um, just love that aspect of feeding people and having them enjoy what I make. But I didn't have the knowledge of how to open a bakery. And frankly I didn't have the capital and when you start a venture like that you're you're married to it so that would kind of not enable me to travel with life when those opportunities arise that I'd like to be part of and um, heard there was a bakery opening in our area so I put in my resume and it was hilarious it was basically bullet points you know, I have the work ethic of someone born in the 60s. I've been baking since I was three by myself since I was 11, et cetera, et cetera. And they hired me on the spot. And I got into a world that I honestly didn't know. Mm-hmm. But one of the most beautiful things that has been happening in that transition time was getting to be in the real world every day. And and I don't say this um, disrespectfully, but... I was around believers most of my daily life. I went to church with believers. I went to conferences with believers. And to be immersed in the world, you know, the first um, few weeks of observing and being around people with carrying a lot of pain, um, just, just getting the privilege of being Jesus in a workplace I hadn't really been able to do before. And so um, in the daily, just loving on people, um, I start my shift at 5 o'clock in the morning. So so I put on my music, and I, I jam. I jam to worship. And I'll leave it on when people come in and I, I, they know that I love Jesus and I, I, I make no apologies for my love of him. Um, if they've asked a question directly, I just say, you know, my personal opinion, my, my faith basis is, is Jesus and I don't ever want to be offensive in my faith. Mm. But neither will I allow myself to be offended by my faith. So I'll, I'll play my worship stuff and I have 
Buddhist friends at work and I have non-believers at work and I have wounded people at work and they just kind of know, you know, um, but what's been fun is to watch in my area, my literal physical work area is peace, you know, where there's maybe chaos and, um, discord. I've heard people verbally say when they walk back to pastry and prep area, we love it back here. Um, we just want to come spend time back here. It's not normal for that area. And I affectionately tell them, you can't, you physically won't fit. (laughs) So, and one of the waitresses the other day, I said, do you have your pastry passport? Because if you don't have your pastry passport, you're not allowed to cross this line. (laughs) There's only so many heinies that'll fit around our workspace. So (laughs) one more heinie is just making it, you know, a little bit difficult. So that's been interesting. The transition for my family, however, was probably even more interesting because they were used to mom being on call for 30 years. And I was readily available in most situations, and many of them have handled it with grace and beauty and applauded that I'm pursuing a dream. And that's been really cool, you know, especially for my kids to just say, go for it, go for it, do what, do what makes you happy. And I am 57. You, you reach a time in life when you do know, just are mentally aware that how much time do I have on this earth? And what am I doing with the time that I have left? And I've shared with so many people because family is such a huge part of my heart. And I have no regrets for being a full-time mom. I have absolutely none. And I firmly believe that the time that I have left on this planet, God is going to exponentially use, whether it's in ministry, in my baking, whatever it is, that um, he's just going to take it and multiply it. And the legacy that I will leave, even for my daughters, is to, um, and it is for my son as well, but especially for women, to go after what God wants you to do and what makes you happy. Because I think so many times we look at ministry as this pulpit experience, and it has that aspect, yes. But it is not the day-to-day. You don't stand behind a pulpit every single day. But you live. You live life. You go to the grocery store. You get your car washed. You buy gasoline. You see strangers on the street. And some of the most beautiful things that I've experienced as a mom has been my children's awareness of those very same things. That one of my kids will say, I gave $5 to a homeless because they're very much aware. You know, that another one of my kids will say, oh my gosh, I realized this because we've had those conversations. And um, they're, they're just beautiful humans. They really are. So the legacy that I leave whenever that time comes will be just being aware. Attention to detail. Where the only thing that's eternal on this earth are humans. And what are we going after? What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing the things? They're, they're fun. Don't. Don't, yeah, I'm glad I'm driving a car that's safe and has, you know, air conditioning. <laughs> I do have a time in my life where I didn't drive those things. I remember getting out of a car and having to pop the the hood and 
take a screwdriver to the carburetor and flip it open and see if I could get the car to turn back on and it was pouring down rain. I've lived that life. I've lived the life of paycheck to paycheck and not knowing from whence my help will come and God never failing. But that $50 to pay bills came. And um, just that awareness of who he is, one of the cool things I've been talking about with my kids lately. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You've heard that expression. Yeah. And I've shared it with you guys, so I know it's a rerun for y'all. But um, for the people listening, it'll maybe be something new. Well, God's been showing me lately, if hindsight is twenty twenty, we look back, and I am 57, and I can see this time with God in my life. I can see his hand moving in and out of situations that maybe I didn't fully understand at the time. And I go, oh, that's what he was doing. Oh, well, that really hurt. But I also see where God was moving in this way. And I said, what if we as believers can grasp our 2020 hindsight now Hmm. instead of having to wait? Or when we're walking through things that especially the things that we don't understand or the things that are causing us pain and struggle where we can still trust God in the now because we have this history with him. So we develop our 2020 hindsight ahead of time because God's outside of time. I love that, yeah. And that we can see his hand moving even now. Um, I get a little weird with time. That's okay. Like you go to Australia and you lose a day and the stewardess tells you, oh, you'll get it back on your back. And I'm like, nope, nope. That particular day in history is gone. Yeah, that's right. It will not come back. That's so so right. I love that thought. I think that what if. um, I want to jump back to your children just because I think they are the four most incredible human beings I've ever met. (laughs) Really, I've had the honor of spending time with them separately together. One, my son and my daughter in love move into their apartment. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. Um, you will laugh until you cry hanging out with your family. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things. Um, but your son, he's probably one of the safest people. Like Emmanuel, he's your mm-hmm. oldest and only son. He's one of the safest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. His hugs are healing. Yeah. I don't really know him, but I've got to spend some time with him. And I leave change with one mm-hmm. second of spending time with your son. Just because I, I, there's just this amazing, genuine love from him he yeah. you know it's like he accepts all loves all and i love that about yeah. him he's a cool kid yeah you have we had friends over uh sunday ago whenever it was when easter sunday happened and i was in the living room and i walked past um our outside door to the back area space it was open it was a beautiful day and he's sitting in one of the chairs outside and uh nine-year-old little friend Arabelle is sitting in the other chair and they're talking about um uh, games (laughs) and I'm just hearing this banter between a fully grown man and this little girl and the sweetness of him giving her time of him giving her value because he's listening you know very often children they're you know, to have an adult sit and, and look you in the eye. And, and then later we're having this conversation. He's like, yeah, you know, to have this kid ask you, so what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Because <laughs> Arabelle's just shooting straight with him, you know. And then I heard Emily talking to her later, and she says, "And you can say his name." And it's all. And she said, "What did you think about his idea for a game?" And she's like, "Oh, I'd play it," you know. <laughs> so it was a beautiful day. But all of my kids have had this ability in them to, um, you know, to talk and have discussion. I remember one time Courtney was talking with a, a, a married man in our home, and he walks in the kitchen. And I don't know, she was 12, 13, 14. And he said, could you come explain what your daughter just said to me? <laughs> and she's talking over a 32-year-old man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Lila, she'll do the same thing. We've we've been asked you should have a, a reality show. Absolutely. <laughs> and I tell people, honestly, I don't want to damage our Christian witness by doing that. <laughs> Because there are times you go, these people need Jesus. <laughs> and it's true. We do. We are in constant need of our Savior. And um, But the hilarity of it, you know, Katie, my youngest, her, her real name is Catherine. I don't know if I'm still allowed to call her Katie or not. But I watch her at work, and I've, I've had our bosses call and say, you know, she didn't have any customers. And so she went to the back and baked a cake. And to see her work ethic at her age of 22. And yesterday she literally just stopped in to say, hey. And I look up and she's over washing dishes because we didn't have a dishwasher. And so there are all of these things that just knock my socks off. And I am not taking credit for it. It is who God created them to be. Hmm. And um, even that aspect of parenting where I... I know that I had a, a part because I was their parent, but I do not take credit for their successes because it's what they've done. And my mama heart, you know, my youngest asked, um, would I be upset if she worked on Mother's Day? Mm. And I looked at her and she said, because two of the moms have young children and I'd like for them to be able to be home. I started tearing up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, as a mom, that's like the best Mother's Day present ever. I said, maybe I'll just work Mother's Day, too, and we'll be together. You know, so we'll see if that happens. But, um, yeah, they're they're great humans. So. They are brilliant humans. You even wrote a book about them. I did. And now to the commercial part of this podcast. Buy this collection, please. No. Yes. So the, the story behind the book, just a little bit, um, this is – for this collection, it's been about a 10-year process. 10 years? About. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was trying to remind myself why I started writing these books. And honestly, I couldn't tell you. I do know some of the things that were happening in the lives of my kids at those times. And I sat down and put pen to paper. Um, at that time... I'm guessing, yeah, my son would have been about 19 and then go down in ages. Um, I just started writing these stories and they are um, fairy tales of of sorts. Mm -hmm. They're imagination in prose. Um, I wrote each of them based on the nicknames I gave them when they were born. So I'd wanted to be a mom since I was a little girl and my son was born and he was my sunshine. It was like everything that I dreamt of for so long and here it was. 
And so I called him my sunshine. Uh, when Lila came along, she was my first little girl. She was born in Norway, and she was my princess. Absolutely. And she is everything a princess is. I jokingly say, you know, she can be the princess in the pea one day. You know, there's a pea in my mattress. <laughs> and But she carries elegance and grace, and she became yes. a ballerina. And so, you know, those little pieces of who they were and who they are are in their stories. Mm-hmm. Courtney was my kitten. She was my third born. She was my little cuddle bug, and she's, you know, purr <laughs> up against me. And and um, hers is um, called Short Nose because her name, yeah, it's sort of funny. But um, she was my kitten, so her story's about a kitten. Mm-hmm. And then Katie came along, and I knew she was my last kid, and so she was my angel, my angel baby. So Life Manual's book is called uh, The Sun and the Moon, mm-hmm. and in his story, he is the sun. And uh, it's a story about um, identity and grasping who you are and who you were created to be. Um, Lila's is uh, the princess who wouldn't smile. And with hers in Norway, she was this beautiful little Indian princess, you know. And so Norwegians would look at her very much in awe because this dark hair, a little olive-complected baby mm-hmm. among the sea of white children. <laughs> and so they would look at her and coo, and she'd look at them like, you know, I really don't have to smile for you because I don't know you. <laughs> and um, she's she's that that human. So when she smiled, it was like the world lit up. And so hers is a princess who wouldn't smile. Courtney's is called Short Nose because it's a kitten, and the kitten had a lot of copycat friends. Courtney was always fashion forward, and she would do these crazy things as a teen that I just, I didn't care, you know. And that's another thing some parents were, like, so particular about what their children wore, the fashion, the thought, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, do you, kid, you know, as long as you're covered, mm-hmm. appropriate body parts are covered. And she would cut the toes out of a pair of stockings so she could wear them with sandals. <laughs> and within a year, they're making flipping, you know, stockings with toes in them to wear with sandals. She cut her fingertips out of her gloves, her mitt, you know, her little winter gloves. And within a year, they're making, you know, the, the gloves that you pull the little part over the fingers. Now, if we had marketed those things and, you know, we... <laughs> We would not be asking for donations at GMA ever. We would be living in the Bahamas, That's, maybe. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Okay. I'd be in the mountains, life okay. be in the Bahamas, and we would meet <laughs> occasionally. So, but um, she would get so upset when her friends would copy her. And so her story is definitely about that and, you know, how you can use some of those strengths and encourage other people to do well. Mm-hmm. And then Katie came along, and I had originally written a story called The Angel and the Soldier because... She was like nine when I wrote the others, and you can't write three stories and not write four. You have four children. So I wrote this cute little romance, you know. And when we first did the the children's stories, we were sitting around the table looking at the proofs, and my, my two older daughters were looking and reading this, and they went, Mom, you didn't finish this thought. Oh, my gosh, this isn't Katie at all, you know. And I look at them, and I got really upset. I was very hormonal, I guess. I don't have hormones anymore. I don't know if I do. But anyway, I just said, throw them in the ocean. I'm not even doing these. I'm not finishing because then I have to pay for another this and pay for another that. And Courtney has to do all the artwork. And when I first wrote these stories, that was a little sideline. I wanted Courtney to do the artwork because she's a really cool artist. She is great. And um, But she was in ninth grade. She was living life and 
football games and friends and she didn't have time. And so um, I kind of tucked the stories away. And when she came back from Norway after her um, internship a couple of years ago, I said, what do you think about doing my kids' books? And so um, she said, okay. And it was a full job for her and she got paid really well. And um, so when we were looking at the proofs, I knew immediately that was going to be a delay. And if I had to do these again and all that sort of stuff. And so finally, after I quit crying, <laughs> calmed down, Courtney walked up to me. She goes, but mom, wouldn't you rather be proud of what you put out? Absolutely. And I, I just wanted to pop her. <laughs> you know, when your children are teaching you and educating you and, and feeding you back principles that you've placed in them, it's a beautiful thing, but it's painful in the moment. And I went into my room, I called the publisher, and they said, yeah, we'll charge you for this, but you know, just send us the new book when it's ready. And I wrote Katie's story in one night. And it was Catherine all over the place. And so I did not realize how much prophetic words were going into her story. But um, Catherine had done worship for years and her story is about a songbird mm -hmm. whose uh, voice gets stolen so um writing her story finishing it that quickly was grace and mercy from the father and like i said i didn't realize quite how much prophetic stuff was going into it at the time but um I think all three of the girls, Katie didn't really say anything, but the two older girls were like, "That's that was their favorite story. And uh, hers is called um, Angel's Song. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it was, it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the stories. I've had parents ask me what age group they're for. And honestly, the colors are so pretty. I've had kids Gorgeous. and young people say we should, I'd love this print for my nursery or I'd love yeah. this for that the colors are beautiful uh, Courtney really did some beautiful artwork she, she painted hand painted each of the illustrations <laughs> and so I tell parents honestly pictures it's great for any age group um, for believers I didn't write the stories particularly Jesus said and thus saith the Lord because they're they're adventure they're fairy tale and but I know that the ones who have ears to hear and eyes to see will see the, the family aspect of it and that you can have four children born into a family with the same set of parents and each of them are individuals and each of them have their own struggles and their own victories and how to um, embrace those mm -hmm. and uh, walk with them through some of the things that they've walked through. Yeah. But uh, for young people, they... Like I said, I think parents would get a lot out of them themselves. <laughs> but um, it's almost funny. Hey, you know, you want to buy a children's book for yourself? But, you know, it'll be cool. Yeah, Whatever I mean, happens. I reread it earlier this morning just to have a refresh. Um, and there is some, it's so well written because I can grab the takeaways in the middle of it. Like I, Angel Song, as much as her voice was stolen in that story, I love that there was so much encouragement to face your fears all over again. And it, like that was a big takeaway, and that is uh, having the courage to face your fears and not letting anything else steal your voice. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful takeaway. Yeah. You have short nose, Courtney's story of, 
letting your uniqueness change the world and not mm. being a, and seeing the power of people following you and using that for good. I mm. loved that. That is that can change culture, especially yeah. like arts entertainment, you know, where where Courtney loves and thrives. And you have the princess, you have Lila, whose story is all about, you know, protecting your treasure and learning to trust again mm-hmm. as a princess in a yeah. kingdom. And Absolutely, yeah. That's that takes amazing courage to trust again. Yeah. Have- I struggle reading these stories. <laughs> it's hilarious because I, I, I remember and I feel and I think and I ponder and then, you know, get up to life Emanuel's and you know, how do you how do you parent world changers? Yeah. And there is no arrogance when I say that. It is just an awareness of uh, none of them were created to follow and um, you know I have a a thought occasionally of one day you know when um, they've recognized and realized all of what God's placed within them and the beauty that will be part of that you know Um, I really can't read Catherine's story out loud hardly I've I've tried reading it to children sometimes and I cry (laughs) I'm like, why do you cry? You wrote the story. Why did you make it like that? If you're going to cry all the time, you know, but, um, you know, even that ability to, um, step outside the stories and see them and what they, what they carry. And I, I find it, I used to hear authors say, well, I don't know what the character is going to do. And I would laugh because I'm like, you're writing the story and you don't know what your characters are going to do. <laughs> and stepping away from some of the other little things that I've started on and knowing exactly what that meant. Because until it pours out of you on paper, you don't always know where it's going to land. And one of the little things that I enjoy telling parents also since Courtney is the illustrator and you know, sometimes you have illustrators that are totally outside your family. And so they just do what they, what you've asked them to do. Well, since Courtney knows us intimately, my children all had favorite colors when they were little. Leif Emanuel's was green, Lala's was blue, Courtney's was pink, and Katie's was yellow. Mm-hmm. So she used even that aspect in the illustrations. I love that. They all have favorite animals. They all have favorite little pieces of who they are. My thing is butterflies. All right. Now, I don't think there's a panda bear in any of the stories, but the butterfly shows up a lot. Um, Katie loves elephants. So even in her story, the the bird lives in a jungle so that there can be an elephant that comes to the, <laughs> the hatching of the eggs. You know, that, that it took longer for Katie to hatch because, you know, my other children came relatively quickly and Catherine was three years after Courtney. So, you know, they're like, hello, when is that baby going to come? And Courtney colored their eggs, their favorite colors. Um, she also hid her kitten in all four of the stories. Don't give the secrets away. No, I'm just saying if the children can find the kitten in each of the stories because it's not always obvious, you know? So that's a little fun thing. In short notice, I noticed earlier that she drew a portrait in one of the scenes of the three girls as kittens and wrote their names above it. It was so cute. <laughs> She did? She did, yeah. I didn't even see that, Kaylee. <laughs> that must have been... This is actually... And I, I I, do know that several people had um, 
already purchased these earlier as four individuals and that was kind of part of the reason of making a collection because I would so feel bad when one of my kids got left on a table <laughs> you know it wasn't one so, of my kids literally so, but um yeah originally you would release these as their separate books right for purchase but now we've just released the Hetland children's book collection they're all in one hardcover book which is so so beautiful and more child-friendly um beautiful Definitely. colors the print's amazing uh so it is available on our web store at globalmissionawareness.com you definitely we're, we're looking for the portrait of the name of the girls we'll find it <laughs> definitely want to encourage you guys to go check it out they're beautiful stories with amazing life lessons and takeaways it would be an incredible addition to your coffee table to your children's room to your library collection i was moved by it this morning reading it um, Jennifer, thank you so much for your oh, thoughts thanks. and your wisdom and your love. Will you pray for us real quick? I would love to. So Jesus, I do thank you for family. I thank you that Kaylee and Alicia are going to close our eyes while I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cute. Right. It's like, I don't know why I have felt such freedom praying and talking to Jesus with my eyes open because I talk to my friends with my eyes open. So I'm going to keep my eyes open during this prayer. But if you guys are listening and want to close your eyes, it's cool. No judgment. Should I stare at you? You should stare at me. Okay. Even though I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to Jesus, but he is here. So it's cool. But Jesus, I just thank you for family. I thank you for life. I thank you for the ability to connect with other believers and how quickly hearts are knitted together when we know that someone loves Jesus. Um, I just love that aspect of who you are and how you do bring unity and how you bring love and peace and joy. That you give us the ability and the grace to laugh that you walk with us through sorrow and pain, that you walk with us in joy, in laughter, that you are that all-encompassing Savior who loved us so much that you were willing to give us the major sacrifice of who you are, but that you didn't leave us behind and that you gave us this beautiful friend of the Holy Spirit. And Daddy, you're great. You're great. You're great. You're great. So thank you so much. And I just pray that anyone listening will immediately feel a mama's hug today. In Jesus' name.